0: Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Our WhatsApp number is 087 Joanna Fortune joins us once again for Parenting Afternoon. Joanna?
1: Good
0: afternoon, Sean. Right, uh, here's your first question. Very timely one. Uh, we're having an issue with my youngest son. He's terrified of Santa. He has been like this since he was about four, but we always put it down to the fact that he was just young and he'd grow out of it. But it's come back this year and it's not improving at all. At the weekend, we went to a Santa experience in Galway. Our son was really enjoying it. Until the point where we had to go in and see Santa, when Santa was talking to him, he wouldn't talk back and couldn't get out of the room quicker. I've tried to make Santa seem less fearful as a person, but it doesn't seem to be working. He loves Christmas, is really excited, but everything around Santa is really stressing him out. I know you said recently that not all kinds love Christmas, but from my son, it's more of a fear around Santa that I'd at least like and try and help him to overcome. You
1: know, this is far more common than people think it is, Sean. Like, it's it's actually quite common for young children. And I think it peaks. I was actually, believe it or not, reading a paper recently about um, what was described as Santa phobia, And it spikes between the ages of three and seven. And it's really around. So often children have this natural kind of inbuilt fear, self-preservation, if you like, where this is a stranger. I don't see this person more than once a year. There's a lot of talk and hype and my natural self-preservation is, I think you're a bit of a stranger to me and I'm nervous in this situation. Mm. So it's not uncommon at all. But, you know, I love that he loves Christmas and it's this one part of Christmas. And I do think that We want to make sure our children know that Santa is a part of Christmas, a very important part of Christmas, but not all of Christmas. There's family tradition, there's gatherings, there's all the bits that you do as a family that he can still be actively involved in. And I'm wondering because Santa is very wise and knows and understands children so well that if you could let Santa know about your son's fear, maybe he could write him a letter. Assuring him that he understands and that it's okay. And sometimes, in some of the with children I've had conversations with through work, it's this idea of, well, is Santa walking around our house while I'm asleep? And it can help to say, oh no, Santa wouldn't have time to do that. It's really Santa comes in, goes to this one designated location in our house has the snack we leave out and heads off again because he's so busy. Mm. And if that could be broken down and explained, I think that might be helpful. What I would say, though, Sean, that because it is so common and this is, as you said at the start, the time of year that this is going to spike. You know, it's really helpful to talk to children about what is likely to happen during their visit with Santa, because these visits tend to take place in really crowded environments, very busy noisy hot environments and sensory wise that can be a lot for many children you could also do a lot of prep with getting familiar with santa because i might not have thought too much about santa since this time last year So if you read some books with me, we watch some movies and I've got the idea, the concept, the image all in my head before I walk into that room, that can be really helpful as well. Take it slowly. And if 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 your child is nervous this year, it does not mean that they will hold that fear forevermore. Some do, but most don't. They outgrow it once they get familiar with the with Santa and with seeing Santa year after year. But I would never force this, I think. And I'm not quite. I know this little boy has been struggling with this since he was four, which again is that age. We don't know how old he is now, Mm. but I don't think you should force this because Santa wouldn't want him to be upset about going in to see him. So let him opt out of seeing Santa if that's causing him that much anxiety and instead you know, really ramp up the other aspects of Christmas tradition at home. And reassure him that that part of Christmas tradition is really his choice. I think I would do that at this stage with him, particularly if he's over that seven and he's more eight, nine or around that age group. And this is lingering that long. I would do that. But this is a fear that is very common and can be outgrown. But don't let it ruin the other parts of Christmas that he really does enjoy.
0: Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah. And uh, Santa does understand that. That should be absolutely absolutely underlined to him. Our daughter oh, yeah. is uh, really into musical theater, and she 's been doing i have to always have to say musical theater <laughs> for some reason uh, and she 's been doing speech and drama since she was a young child. she loves it and i 've never seen anything make her happier. Because of her interest, she spends a lot of time watching YouTube performances of different American productions. Because she's watched so much of it, she's starting to speak with an American twang. Myself and my husband had spotted this, and I've been trying to to get her to speak naturally, but it's not really working. Recently, we were at a family christening, and her cousin started to make fun of her because of her accent – I know she's a girl bursting with creativity and I don't want in any way to hamper that, but I would love to try and help her to ditch the Americanisms, not only to prevent her uh, from people making fun of her, but also because she has a beautiful Irish accent. Mm. Oh, this This is an interesting one.
1: Isn't it really? You know, And I think we've had something around this uh, about the Peppa Pig effect and children Mm. getting very affected English accents as well. But there is a thing, Sean, with language acquisition and, you know, accents and how we speak called the chameleon effect or unintentional mirroring. And, you know, in other aspects, people who, you know, the way people sometimes say, oh, if you have a musical ear, you are more likely to pick up accents. Really, what we're talking about is a concept called linguistic convergence. You know, when you pick up accents really easily, because our accents tend to move more towards the group, the community, whatever we're immersing ourselves in, whatever we're identifying with. So how we speak is an inherent part of our identity, And this little girl clearly identifies as a singer and she's emulating these big Broadway performances and, you know, these performers as well. She's watching all these shows and in doing so, you know, she's imagining and picturing herself in those roles, in those shows, on those stages, because that's what's going on for her. So if she's, you know, you identify her as a creative child who loves performing, it's very likely she does, too. So for me, that's what's going on with her accent. It's that she's really in that creative, imaginative visualization part of play and development where I'm not just watching, I don't know, somebody doing a big show tune in Wicked, for example. I'm imagining it's me doing that. Mm. And so I'm taking on the accent, all the mannerisms, the postulations of all of that. So I think, you know, we have to be clear that language is something we play with. You know, we're born into a sea of sounds from the first moments of our life. So be playful with this. You know, don't take this too seriously. Don't ridicule her. Don't embarrass her or inadvertently humiliate her by mocking her accent. But be playful in response. You know, ensure She's watching Irish performers as well. We've got great Irish singers and theatrical performers, too. But I wouldn't draw too much attention to her accent. But if she's using words, and I think most of us who have children who watch American themed television will hear about, you know, the garbage truck or trash day Mm. or, you know, and we can correct and go, oh, that's what they call it in America. But over here we say you know, the bin truck or rubbish and you can correct bits of it that way. And just make sure that if, if it's something that's becoming extremely pronounced, you could say to her, you know, you're sounding really American right now. What would that sound in an, like in an Irish accent? Could you sing that song or say that phrase in an Irish accent and actually play with accents with her? Because if she's naturally dramatic, an ability to take on other accents could ultimately be a strength for her. Yeah, I, I would just take it away from embarrassing her. I think it's more to do with what where she's at developmentally and identifying with these big performers and that kind of wishing it was her and what would it be like if it was her.
0: Yeah, A few comments on that. Uh, one person <laughs> says the thing is she is speaking naturally; it's natural for her. Someone else says we've the same thing with our daughter; it's very frustrating. Uh, Someone else says so many little kids do this and, for example, talk about dollars rather than euros. Yeah. They're innocent kids. And um, yeah, I think it's probably not a a household in the country that hasn't experienced some degree of this and the uptake and all that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have it here because of Bluey. We talk about dollar books instead Mm. of euros. So kids, they pick up things that they watch and they try it out in real life because they're wondering what is that like? And I think it's probably more dramatic with her because she's a little bit more dramatic but that's a good thing that's part of who she is I, I wouldn't overreact to that one
0: yeah yeah it's, it's a, a pretty natural at the same time you'll hear them talking about dollars and going hey ma'am Can I go out to the, you know, ma'am, can I go out to the yard? You know, it's a a hybrid thing.
1: It really is. And it's the Americanisms of what they're watching. So make sure they're all watching some Irish made, Irish accented TV (laughs) as well. And that's how we can balance that out.
0: We have a teenage daughter who's posting a lot on social media. She isn't posting anything provocative, but she is starting to post uh, daily content, which has resulted in her picking up a large number of Mm -hmm. followers. She's 15, and I just want to have a conversation with her about what she should be aware of if she's posting a lot about herself. I don't use social media really, so I don't know where to start with my advice. Would Joanna be willing to help? And I don't think Joanna's going to like come around your house, but uh, um, I
1: know because that's it is a bigger conversation we can do here. But what I would say, Sean, is that when our children our teenagers, whatever age they are, when they begin to access social media, it actually isn't acceptable for us to say, I'm not really on social media, so I don't get it. We've given them access to a world that we are standing outside of. Mm. So I'm not saying you have to now open an account and build your own following either, but you do need to become more aware and informed and educated about social media and what it is. So I would say, first of all, within an Irish context, Tusla have a booklet called A Better Internet that has guidance and support for parents around your young people being on the internet and social media. Cyber Safe Kids, Cyber Safe Ireland, they also have lots of resources on their website for young people, but also for parents and caregivers, as do the ISPCC, you know, they have a guide to social media platforms for parents and teens as well. So there are lots of resources out there, really good ones, and it's worth getting, you know, getting updated and informed about all of those. I think then, you know, what it sounds to me, Sean, is this is a savvy kid. And she's worked out that it, the more you post, the more the algorithm features you, the more likely you are to build followers. Mm. Like she sounds pretty astute about all of this. And because of that, I would get curious with her in terms of what's motivating her posts. I notice you you really are focused on posting daily or three times a day. Is there a reason that you're doing that? And she might say, well, yeah, that means the algorithm picks you up. Did you know that? And it's a way of getting the conversation going. Ask her to show you how it works, what her aim is with her account. If she's sitting there and saying, I'm building up a profile with the intent of having an influencer status and getting sponsored content deals, then, yeah, that's a very specific conversation you're going to have with her. But I think either way, keep the lines of communication open. I'd also love, though, as part of that conversation, that you emphasize that her social media accounts her posts they should be to spark joy for her rather than to feed followers Mm. so when it stops feeling fun you stop posting because otherwise what probably started as fun and pleasurable i have this account i love what i'm posting i'm getting a really good reaction so i'm getting this kind of validation feedback loop is now becoming an obligation or a chore. Oh, God, I better put something up or the algorithm's going to drop me or whatever it is. So I think this could be an opportunity to have a really rich conversation with her about her knowledge about social media, which I have to say probably far surpasses your own right now. And using the fact that I don't know, but I would definitely like to better understand you have a handle on it, Can you talk me through how you do it so I can understand it? But I would also, in addition to using your 15 year old for that information and keeping that connection open, I would say reach out to those organizations I mentioned, get those PDFs, the, you know, the resources, the resource guides that are there so that you also have knowledge and information.
0: Yeah. The thing about that, you know, she's picking up large numbers of followers and it's an odd thing about social media now and that. You know, it's kind of a a way into being a celebrity to some level or another. And, you know, before you had to be on telly or or, or cinema or something to be a celebrity. But now you can just do it from home. But she's only 15.
1: And the idea that she's picking up large numbers of followers would also infer to me that these are strangers, Mm. you know, that this she may have a public account. That might be also something that's part of reading those guidelines you want to talk to her about, that her account may not be private. So there is all kinds of risks that literally anybody could be following her. Yeah. In those numbers, and that might be something that you retrospectively say, "Hey, I think I got this wrong." You know, when you started on social media, I thought all accounts were automatically private. I'm now learning they're not. Is this something we can now talk about? It's very hard to close the gate, John, once the horse has bolted.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You uh, know,
1: and she's in it, but so I, I don't want. To, it to come across when you talk to her like you're coming in with this big lecture and you're going to now start putting in rules because it's going to drive a disconnect and it is very important you stay connected with her if she is building a quite a significant profile online that you are still there as the influencing voice not the echo chamber of social media.
0: Yeah, influencing the influencer. Uh, someone says, I'm a teacher, I find all the webwise.ie content yep. uh, is excellent for, for parents. Uh, right, our son is really into his GAA. He's very talented, but also very young. Recently, he started being really hard on himself regarding his performance, and I just don't like the way he's speaking about himself. Last Saturday morning after his match, he spent the whole journey home crying about how bad he played because he missed a goal. He didn't play badly at all. While the week before last, when he was at training, he was in a foul mood because he couldn't get one of the drills right. I totally get that he's passionate, but he's starting to agitate himself any time he goes training or plays a match, to the point where I think it would be good for him to take a break. When he is an adult, he can take it as seriously as he wants, but right now it should be for fun. I spoke to the coaches and they don't see any issue with him.
1: Yeah, this is really interesting because it's sounding to me like he has perfectionistic tendencies and removing him from this one activity might be a short term solution rather than, you know, a long term one, because that if he has perfectionistic tendencies, maybe right now it's focused on this singular activity. But it could go to other things if this is removed. And what I mean by perfectionistic tendencies is, you know, there's different types of perfectionism. We have, you know, other oriented perfectionism when we hold impossibly high standards for others and we hold them to those standards. But there's also self-oriented perfectionism when we hold ourselves to impossibly and often unrealistically high standards. And that's what it's sounding like here as you describe You know, you're saying he played really well, but he's focused in on this one little thing because perfectionism isn't the same as holding yourself to high standards or expecting yourself to do well. There's nothing wrong with that. Perfectionism is more, though, unrealistically high expectations, but lead to us placing enormous pressure on ourselves. So even if you do well, and that's what I think with this little boy, even when you do well, the focus is shifting to dismissing. No, I didn't play well. There was this one thing or minimizing the achievement. Oh, that was just luck or I didn't really deserve it. That was somebody else's setup. I just happened to get the goal or whatever it is. So the achievement isn't really ever enjoyed. And I think you want to really watch this with him. I I hear you saying, you know, look, his coaches don't see any problem, but probably because he's performing very well in truth and they're happy with him on the team. But I think we have to watch how we speak about matches, training, anything like that at home, you know, be very mindful and wary of overpraising children for high achievements. I mean, I'm not saying ignore they're doing well, of course not. You want to acknowledge that, but don't be, you know, over the top with it. So they think, oh, gosh, I've got to do really well to elicit that kind of praise from you. Instead, you go back to focusing on effort over outcome, emphasising the pleasure that we gain um, from just watching our kids having fun. And, Mm. you know, and you could say to him, look, I I go and I love watching you having fun and playing with your teammates. But this evening, it didn't look like you were having fun. Talk me through what's going on. You know, if if you're happy, I'm happy. But if you're not happy doing this activity, you do have a choice about continuing or not. So you could open it up that way to him. But I think be very aware of his self-esteem in general because behind perfectionism is often quite fragile, not always, but often fragile self-esteem where it's my fear is that I'm not good enough, that I won't be able to do it. And so I hold this bar so, so high, because if I can reach that, then there's nothing to worry about. But the whole point, of course, is self-sabotage because I can't reach that unrealistic expectation. So I would break it down with him and talk to him about how this is fun, that all you want to do is see him enjoying playing with his teammates. His coaches feel the same. You've talked to them. But if it is not fun and he's not happy, that you can find something else for him to do. I'd give him that option. He, he may surprise you, by the way. He may be relieved and say, do you know what? It isn't fun. I don't want to do it. Or he may say, no, I do enjoy it. And then you're about breaking down into but you know what, it doesn't actually matter if it's perfect, what matters is if it's fun. And you amplify that all the time in how you speak about activities and be very aware of how you speak about yourself and the standards you hold yourself to around him. Because sometimes, you know, we can be perfectionist in our parenting or in our own personal selves. And our kids are watching us and hearing us be tough on ourselves or beat ourselves up about something and really, they need to hear us compliment ourselves and go, well, that didn't quite work out. But you know what? I gave it a good go and I'm proud of myself. Yeah. They need to hear us say those things as well.
0: Joanna, thanks a million. As ever, just uh, one final text in relation to uh, the uh, child's accent. Uh, someone says, I'm going to get my kids to start watching Love, Hate or Glen row uh, <laughs> to make sure they have good, strong Irish accents. I suppose you could do worse. Joanna, thanks a million. As ever, uh, you are, let's say, Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.